0: Stop the five-star podcast my name is tom savage hope you're having a good week um i have had a pretty decent bank holiday weekend an an easter week i celebrated spy wednesday as well as anybody has i think ever and it's just i needed it because you know with the baby being born and everything else it's just so hectic you know and it's just uh the last couple of weeks you know it's just uh, not burnout but close enough to it So the last couple of days have been really good um, and I've enjoyed them. And I know I was saying on Provincial State of Mind that I wasn't gonna watch any rugby this weekend, but you know what, given the weather and just given the fact that, you know, my little daughter is two months, coming up on two months, two and a half months old. um, I ended up sitting in front of the TV watching the vast majority of, of all of the games. So I, I figured I would jump on and get my week started with a five star podcast, looking at those games that were there and just talking about some of the, I suppose the talking points that have come out in the aftermath of uh, of this weekend of, of really good rugby all the way through actually. Um, I have got a Rugby Basics coming up this week. If you want to send in questions for that, basically all the questions that you've ever wanted to ask about rugby, but you were too afraid to ask almost because you didn't want to seem stupid. There are no super questions on this podcast. Send it into info@tierkings.com. Put rugby basics in the subject line. And if you've got a question for the TRK mailbag on the five euro tier, a little bit more complex questions there, exact same thing. Or message me on Patreon, uh, or get onto the those channels on the TRK Secret Club. That would be a great place to start for them. So, anyway, looking at the week just gone, uh, I think the, the first one up was Leinster and uh, and Leicester. On Friday night. Um do you know what? I think that the aftermath of this game has brought up a lot of interesting conversations that I think that there's my automated bin going mad for whatever reason. Um there's a lot of interesting questions have come up in the aftermath of this game where I think people are finding it difficult to to speak about it or have it spoken about without it being seen or understood as a tacit criticism or a knock on Leinster. And I don't think it is. I'll get to that in a minute. As for the game itself, I think Leinster demonstrated here that if you want to beat them this season, you have to be an incredibly complete team. And I think Leicester have elements of a game that could potentially have hurt um, Leinster... But there's so many other things had to go right before you get to a point where you can look to beat Leinster with that Leicester team. Um, I felt that Leicester's front row was pretty good. Their starting front row was pretty good. Um, They had the right ingredients there second row lacking a bit of class for me lacking a bit of top end power you've got some guys there who are good players but I don't think they're in the, the conversation of the guys you'd need for your your the back five that you'd need to beat um, to beat Leinster and when you consider their back five in total not for me um, there's some quality players there I think Jasper Visa is really good I think Hanro Liebenberg is really good but you've got guys like Tommy Rafael who is a good player right but I think That type of guy, you're not going to get the return against Leinster with a kind of a jackal poach specialist, unless they bring an awful lot more to their game other than that. Um, There is a way to get at Leinster that way, but not with the isolated way that the Tigers were going about it. Now, I feel at the start of the game, they actually were defending quite well. Defensive errors killed them. And this is where your midfield comes in as being a really important part of managing this Leinster team like any team that will beat Leinster this year has got to have a good midfield that can lock them out um because you look at the the first two tries I suppose that kind of uh, well it it took Leinster out of their range right for the Tigers Tigers like had and I think they, they actually started the game quite well I think when you look at their midfield and Dan Kelly is a guy, highly rated player, a guy who's you know, been playing quite well and you look at, um, I think his name actually, it, it is, is it Harry Potter? Or is, it, is it Potter? Whatever, like they're two midfield. They were okay in attack. Uh, in defense, they gave up the exact sort of lanes that you can't give up against Leinster because they'll find them, they'll run through them. And that was a sign of inexperience in the first instance. But also, I think this is what Richard Wigglesworth was speaking about afterwards. You're gonna have to have a cut price guy somewhere when you're dealing with a salary cap, and that's what Tigers have to do domestically, and that affects them in Europe. This is the same question but reversed for Saracens. If you remember, we're all there. They're like their salary cap cheating wasn't illegal in Europe, but they got to Europe through their through their domestic league, and, and one thing fed into the other. Um you won't beat Leinster with a midfield that's making those kind of mistakes on settled phase play and certainly off first phase you just won't and even if I think the Tigers had a kind of a a defensive a better defensive showing in that first half to keep Leinster away from those easy tries that you 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 can never give up against Leinster um, I think they still would have lost because They were managing Leinster's kicking game quite well but you'll notice that Leinster pulled back on their kicking game as well. They didn't go as high onto counter transition as what they would do typically. They pulled their game back, they box kicked a little bit more, they brought a little bit more uh, aerial uh, kind of shorter kicks, kind of direct contestable kicks into their game from what they had done. Leinster will always kick the ball. They kick the ball better than most teams and I think that Tigers understood that well we're going to try and cut off their counter transition starter we're not going to play that game with them I think Leinster though understood that as well and rolled the dice on basically shortening their kicking game and everything that came with that they would have to roll the dice in the scrum they did for the most part although Tigers got a bit of early success there it's like this no team in the modern game and I'm talking about in the last year or so only in the most radical of outliers, will lose the game because of the scrum. There'll always be an example to the contrary, but you can look here and go look. There's a couple of occasions where Andrew Porter could and maybe should have been penalised for scrummaging, but referees don't want to do it. Assistant referees don't want to make the calls unless they're blatantly obvious. And even then, if they've called too many of them, they won't continue to do so. So, like, with the, the shorter contestable... Tigers didn't have the sort of size in their scrum that could really pin Leinster in and hurt them. Um, so, you know, when you look at, at that, like some of Leinster's attacking work was pretty good, but, or uh, Leicester rather, but they didn't have the quality overall. And I think that, you know, they had to start pushing. Like they, you, start, you, you, you could see them going to more stacks, more layers, trying to play a little bit more of a fluid game at certain points in this game. But when you've got Andre Pollard at 10, like that's not the game that we're, you're looking for from him. And I think that this is where the coaching flux that has hurt Leicester this season in particular. Because the guy who signed Andre Pollard is now the England coach. Um, to continue doing what you want to do with him, you've got to play a sort of game that I think Tigers ultimately didn't want to play here in this game, which is off ball I don't think you can play off ball against Leinster and I think that this is where teams come back to what their style of play is and what that style is capable of at the top end of the game against a team like Leinster I think it is possible to beat a team like Leinster with the build that Leicester seem to be going for but not with the budget constraints they have they need to be much bigger in the in the the back five that their front row looks okay like but I, I just think that with the way that they were approaching this game it seemed that they were I don't know throwing a lot of different schemes at the wall eventually you know and I, I think that against Leinster you have to be the very best build that you can be with the guys you have available to you it, people talk about like and look it's going to be natural for teams at this point to be talking about how do you beat Leinster and looking for Leinster to be beaten like it's one of those things that you can't have it both ways where it'll never be unending praise I think you look at Leinster over the last couple of years to the point of almost it being clawing um, the praise that's in the papers on TV um, everywhere on social media about how good they are and everything else Like, and given that most of the the, the the team most of the Irish team that's been getting so much praise over the last couple of years as well is I mean it, let's be honest it, it is the majority of the Leinster players there's that side of it also in the aftermath of this game people have been uh, there's been quite a lot of talk about well look and I think Richard Wigglesworth brought this up Dan McFarland also brought it up is that there are reasons why Leinster are so good that aren't them just being really good. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's this idea that's out there that, well, you're really good and that's it. And there's no more talk about it. That's just why we're really good is because we're really good. And that's that end of discussion. And if you want to be really good, you should just become really good like we are. It's not as simple as that. And I, I think that what people are getting at is... Is that there are reasons why Leinster have been such a dominant force? Certainly domestically. I mean, they haven't won in Europe since 2018. But you look at the the intervening years from we'll say 2018 up until now. Leinster have been the favourites every year. They've made what two, was it? Is it two finals? Um, since then. Um, they've been constantly in and around the semi-final uh, level bar during the pandemic where they got caught by you know Prime Saracens like to be fair like a lot of teams do but a bit like Prime Saracens you can appreciate that they're a really good team but after a while that only takes you so far there will become a thing well okay look they are really good but and the but here is that it's not a case that you can just easily duplicate what Leinster do Um, where the vast majority of their team are are homegrown from inside Leinster um, and that really good results come from that also. That is not really duplicatable anywhere else and I think that part of the reason why a lot of talk now is coming up first from Dan McFarland and then from Richard Wigglesworth is you can only be beaten by these guys so often before eventually you're kind of going okay look yeah they beat us they're better than us but when the inevitable kind of the, the implication comes well why aren't you getting any better it's because well relatively speaking there's only so much we can do in the constraints of the of the system that we have available to us and i think that what we've seen from and i've spoken about this on twitter as well is that like there are certain things that leinster have that are unique to leinster and that are not duplicatable anywhere else and i think part of the annoyance that people have and i know it's an annoyance of mine is that there's a lot of grifters there's a lot of spoofers out there who they're talking about and they're going around to different clubs in other countries and they're telling them, well, here's what you could be doing better without really explaining the fact that if you want to get Leinster results without having the machinery that's behind Leinster that to an extent is nothing to do with rugby you're going to be in a situation where you're not getting the same results and to some people, and I know this from people who I've spoken to they got the impression after they've had these conversations that they basically told us to do what we were already doing. And that's the frustrating thing, is that there is a sort of a pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps um, thing that kind of comes around here, that it's never reality in real life, and it's not reality in rugby either. Like um, like there, the Richard Wiggler, for example, there is irony in the fact that it's him who's complaining about Um, oh well the budget difference between Leicester and Leicester means that they should be beating us like that's essentially what he said and it's ironic because he was one of the guys who had a you know wiggy nine or whatever it was um, for Saracens that he got paid more and above the salary cap Um, Farrell Vunapola you know Von Prop you know limited all those guys like that is ironic. It's ironic. He did play for Saracens. There was all that stuff that happened with Saracens, the breaching of the salary cap and everything else like that. I think when people heard him saying that, they heard, oh, Leinster are cheating in the same way that Saracens were accused of cheating. It's it's not really the same thing. There's no salary cap for um, Leinster to break in either the URC or the European Cup. So that's not the case. But what I think he's saying is, is that... If there's a massive differential in budget between two different teams, then the team who has the higher budget that they will spend on better players and more of those better players, that team will win more often than not. And when you look at Leinster, I think, and this is something I've I've experienced myself, there's a lot of Irish people, and Leinster fans in particular, who think that these guys are playing for half nothing, that they're there for the honour of playing in the Leinster jersey. And, you know, maybe free tickets to the Aviva and the RDS every now and then. This is not the case. These are very highly paid players. Like, James Ryan just signed a new contract this morning. Like, people think he's an essential contract that he's on around 200k. Lads, talk about doubling that and maybe we're into the conversation then. Players of Andrew Porter's stature, of Tyke Furlong's stature, of Robbie Henshaw's ability and stature, Gary Ringrose, all these other guys they cost money to retain I will say this Leinster do and have an ability to retain guys because remember it's the IRFU plays academy like they pay the academy contracts right so there is an ability for Leinster to retain guys after that on we'll say below what might be their market value if there was a hard cap on wages those guys might go well shit I'm I'm, maybe I'm going to go to Connacht or Ulster or whatever else and, and get money that way um, but they do have an ability to retain guys. I'd say maybe from the age of maybe 2021, 20, from when they get promoted from the academy, on their first one or two years in Leinster senior squad, they do have the ability to keep those guys on cheaper than what maybe they're worth. The next contract may be below what they're worth as well. But once you start getting to your mid 20s to your late 20s, these guys love playing for Leinster. But at the same time, you're talking about your career. And I think most guys in rugby understand that you're a bad tackle away from it all being over. So if you're there paying, where you're basically or you're, you're 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 playing for Leinster, you're a world class player, but you're getting you know squad level money from you know like a guy in in Munster might be getting. You're codding yourself, and and these guys don't cod themselves. They're not idiots. They understand that. Well, look, I have to get paid. I have to like this is a dangerous job. I have to get paid my due because there's a life after rugby and you don't want to be two or three years into retirement thinking, do you know what? I should have gone for more money on that second or third contract. The likes of Josh Vanderfleer, the likes of Caelan Dorris, the likes of, um, just go through the names, James Ryan, uh, Jamison Gibson Park, James Lowe, uh, Hugo Keenan, like Jimmy O'Brien's next contract is going to be a bump on what he's already on. The likes of Jamie Osborne is going to be a bump on what he's already on. These are the like really good players who are involved at Irish level, who are multi capped in some cases, they're getting paid. They're getting paid their due. They're getting paid to more or less their market value. And like you look at the the certain aspects that keep leinster's budget low and irish budgets in general not as high as maybe they could be you have your tax rebate that gives you your money back at the end of your career although you can also get that now if you retire in the eu so there's that uh there's playing at home there's you know living in your home city you might have a house you might have a mortgage your kids might be in school although that only happens for most guys once they're 25 or above maybe they have kids then or whatever but that plays a factor as to why you wouldn't want to move because it's awkward um and then there's playing for your home province. And, and for Leinster as well, there's also a, a kind of a much higher percentage chance of getting into the Irish team as a result of, of playing at Leinster. So all that plays a factor. But make no mistake, these guys are getting paid and they're not getting paid the sort of cheap. Like, I, I, I like a couple of guys who were onto to me saying that guys like Josh Vanderfleer were on around 100 grand a year. It's like, absolutely not. Like That is insane to think this. And but it's out there. And I I think part of what I was speaking about is is that people have this idea that if you're a homegrown player, that you're all of us like that for some reason that you're playing for Leinster on the cheap, that isn't the case. Like you're not signing guys in from abroad, but like if you think that Josh Vanderfleer is playing for less than two hundred K a year at Leinster, like man you're going to be very surprised this guy is married this guy is gone like is, is going to be building a life for himself he's in his late 20s if he's not picking up at least 300 and something k here given he's the world player of the year and was often discussed in that bracket before his last contract this guy wants to fire he, he wants to fire his agent because given the game he's playing and how long you're retired make your money now and these guys understand that okay so but there's this weird idea that this is somehow impure, that this somehow besmarches Leinster. When you develop good players, and Munster will tell you this the same as anybody else, if you develop the likes of Paul O'Connell, the likes of Dunaco O'Callaghan, the likes of you know John Hayes, the likes of Jerry Flannery, David Wallace, these guys are getting paid. Ronald O'Gara is getting paid. They all ended up being on central contracts down like like, eventually, but like as in they were offered, relatively speaking, quite a lot of money, as they were growing in, in influence and stature and their reputation in the game, your contract value goes up. So, like, that's been the case for the last while. And, like, it, that's just the reality of the sport and the reality of professional sport, really, that if you are a high-status player, like, and you're playing a, a collision sport like this, like, you're not doing it on the cheap. Like I said, you might get younger guys who are at that level, but sooner or later, you got to pay them. And, like... A salary cap coming into the URC would be an absolute disaster for Leinster primarily. Like because like Munster, there's a, a perception at the moment that Munster are as like that that they spend as much on wages as Leinster. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. When you consider the central contract value and everything else like that, it's way, way lower. Same for Ulster and and doubly so for Connacht. That's just the game we're in though. We understand that. Um, but it's one of those things that it's not a non-factor when you're discussing like success it's linked like when Munster were the best team in Europe uh, between we'll say maybe 2005 and and up to 2009 we'll say because you know I think Munster was certainly in that conversation up until that semi-final that that I, I still hold grudges over long decades long grudges when you consider that Munster were those, like, considered in those terms, like, they were, of course, getting paid, relatively speaking, a lot of money at the time because they're one of the best teams in Europe. They're a core part of the Ireland team. You want to keep them away from the likes of the French teams or the English teams who would spend that money to get them in because they would be considered marquee players. So, like, it's it's just, it's, it's, it's been a weird conversation where I think people are reluctant to accept that. There are certain things like the Leinster's private schools that you know Leinster's demographical, and this is to do with Ireland, not to do with rugby. This is just Ireland has concentrated so much in Dublin over the last number of years, and you look at post, pan, you know, post crash in two thousand and eight, everything seemed to really condense into Dublin and draw a ton of people from Munster, Ulster, Connacht into Dublin, and and the children of those players now are are, are playing rugby, and it's like it's just one of those things that none of those things are disconnected from Leinster's success but at the same time they have excellent players who are probably one of the best well coached best coached team in Europe I would say close to it um and who deserve their success off the back of it but I think that like the discussion that was there over it from Richard Richard Brigglesworth was look he just got 50 points dropped in his team's head and like people are asking like well you know what the fuck happened and him's kind of going well you know we, we missed a tackle here or there like that's all part of the reason, but like the majority of the reason is look, Leinster should be putting away a team like Leicester, given the disparity in budgets that's there. I mean, they should be, and they did. So they're living up to that. Um, but it's that's the discussion that's been around, and I think that I think there's a, a natural defensiveness there that kind of comes from oh, Leinster aren't a big money team like Saracens or Toulon. Like Leinster and Saracens, there are so many parallels there that like it's it's kind of it's weird you know like Saracens and I've said this before are the best model for club building anywhere in the game uh forget about the salary cap stuff right because Leinster have like that doesn't apply to Leinster you look at the quality that Saracens brought through that was homegrown Jamie George uh George Cruz Maro Itoje, Owen Farrell you've Maka Vunapola and Billy Vunapola, who were essentially, like, they were signed as, as younger players, you know, in in their early 20s. They became world-class players. Guys like Brad Barrett coming in, guys like Lazowski coming up through their, up through their ranks, like, and smart signings from other English clubs. Like, that's exactly what you should be doing. They're bringing in guys like Vincent Cock, bringing in guys like Titi Amazatele, who were not big-name signings at the time, Will Skelton. Like, all of that adds to you know um, uh, roads like these all ended up being huge players for them but like if you, if you forget about the salary cap they're the model team for what you would build if you were going to build a successful dynasty you would look at what Saracens did and the core of their team was brought up through Saracens they still had to pay them and that's how they ended up breaking the salary cap paying the guys they developed to keep them at the club and and that's the thing I think that People see it as being oh well look that, that there's an like, there's an uh, an implication here that there's on something unseemly going on. Absolutely not. But I think what people are saying is is that look these are great players, but they've all been retained. A lot of clubs can't retain that level of quality that they might produce. Like look at London Irish, look at Harlequins. Like they have lost a ton of guys over the years, over the decades. That like if they had no salary cap and an endless supply of money, they could have been gigantic. Like London Irish. Like the quality of teams and players that they've had coming through their ranks, like I think it's just a reality. I think that people are just kind of going, "Look, well, look, Leinster are outstanding." But at the same time, when people start coming to ask, "Well, why can't you do what they're doing?" It's a lot more complex than that, and I think that's what people are talking about. Not, in, I think, and uh, in rugby in particular, there's a, a real like people default to, "Oh, you have a chip in your shoulder." very, very quickly in rugby. And you know why. You know why that is. But it isn't a chip on your shoulder to literally just describe things factually. Leinster have a massive budget. Like, you could argue that they have the biggest budget of any team in in Europe this season. And, like, I think that's close enough to say, look, well, look, we can accept that that is probably true. And I think when people start looking at that, it changes their perception of, well, no, shit, like we should be winning every year and with that comes a change in your in your in your fan mindset i suppose which people maybe don't want to talk about or whatever else but it's 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 a side effect of success that to retain those guys who have earned you success you will need to spend money and a lot of it and for a team like Leinster of homegrown quality everywhere people just do not assume that those guys are there for cheap it's not the case the western province and the stormers they have the same issue they produce a lot of players but people think oh well look they're they're playing for the home club so they must be doing it for half nothing not the case it's a professional sport that might have been the case in the old days where you're playing at your club for the love of the club like we'll say like like Sean O'Brien wants to play for Tullo I think he's going to play for them next year like and like people looking at that and kind of going well he loves the club he's playing for them at, at pro level at provincial level at, at this European level Guys aren't thinking that way. And um, it's. I think people are just speaking about that now because you can only get hammered over the head with how good a team is for so long before people start to look at, well, well, why are they so good? How are they so good really? And we're not just talking about um, coaches saying, oh, but we work hard. We, we, we train hard. You know, we we want to win. It's like everybody works hard. Everybody trains hard. Look, when you look at what people are doing, there's there's different styles you can pick, but for the most part, everybody knows what everybody else is doing. Most teams train more or less the same. there's This idea where we're just training hard—look, it's not the case. There were there, and like, and the thing is, boiling it down to that is for babies, for children. We can understand that it's a lot more complex than that, and I think that's what people are speaking about uh, over the last couple of of, uh, of well, the last two weeks. Uh, given the, the the big success that Leinster have have, have had, and that's only going to grow. That that conversation is only going to grow, and um, yeah, buckle in because I think people aren't half done talking about it because I think like I said, there's only so many times you can be battered over the head with these team are just, they're just the best. They're just the best team ever because if it stayed it that way, it would be be fine. But when it starts to go down to the whole thing of, well, you're shit. Why aren't you better? You need to improve. Um, That's when people start to get their backs up and go, well, look, it isn't as simple as that because it isn't. Realistically speaking, it isn't. Anyway, uh, the other games that I watched, um, Toulouse versus the Sharks, Really good. Really good game. This you look at the size and uh, power that Sharks had, even with some of their injuries, they really put it up to, to lose early in this game. They retained the ball really well. Leinster will look at that and go, "There's there's stuff for us to take out of there." But I, I think overall, look the, the quality of Toulouse, their their transition work, their counter attack work. Um, their face play even their set piece really really good uh, you've guys like Antoine Dupont who are generational talents once in a century talents you could even say um, and when you've got him in your team you've always got a chance against anybody um, he had five assists in this game which is mad but it's like it's Antoine Dupont stuff and um, But I thought Roman Antimac played as well as he has in a while. When your playmaker is Antoine Dupont, uh, your 10 in this instance almost becomes another strike runner. And I think when Antimac is at his best, he is mixing that strike running with good, solid kicking and and decent passing after the break. Because most of the time it's just facilitating, you know, Um, because Antoine Dupont will do the majority. And I think that uh, Antimac played really, really well here. That helped Toulouse lose you know, run run up the score that they did. Now there was a bit of a. This is something when you're de- when you're in when you're playing in France, you deal with this, where the TV director stuff had a, a good long look at um a number of incidents for Toulouse to try and bring the crowd into the game, which will then bring the TMO into the game. Um, that's something that we need to get out of the game. It doesn't just happen in France; happens in Ireland too, like where the TV director who is more than likely. I mean if it's for Canal Plus he will be a French man he will want the French team to do well Um, if you're in Dublin like the chances of the TV director being a Leinster fan or you know an Ireland fan at least um, is incredibly high they will pick and choose different things from the B-roll footage that they have coming around from all over the field and start showing those angles during breaks in play um, on the big screen and that influences the TMO who maybe didn't see it or saw it but didn't think anything of it but now the context of it has changed because of the the crowd baying and the you know the the context has shifted so now that's kind of um it's been in France for years everybody knows this if you you know i think european fans are well used to this you know you 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 see it all the time but i think south africans are kind of getting into this now where they're only really seeing this um, because their teams are directly involved now, um, and yeah, look, it's it's. I think it's a scourge in the game, really. I, I think it's it's outside of rugby, and I think that is. It it's it, it, it's another element of home advantage that shouldn't really be there at all. You know, like because you look at home advantage, where referees are going to be influenced by the home crowd, that's a given in every sport. But when you have a home TMO, basically, who is basically feeding what the TMO sees. You can change the context of a game completely, and you're not involved. And it's like fans can you know shout and roar or whatever else, but they're not controlling what's on the TV. TV directors are, and that's something that is uh, is 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 something that it's going to be a a talking point for the World Cup. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that I think the Sharks can feel hard done by by one or two moments in this game off the back of it. But uh, yeah, no, I think that to lose here showed that. They have real quality. They have real size. Um, I think if you look player for player, I think they're the only team at the moment who can match Leinster like for like when you look at the quality all the way through the line. Um, But La La Rochelle as well are incredibly impressive. But I just look at Toulouse and Munster have played Toulouse twice this year. I've done two, well, no, four really in depth looks at, at Toulouse. Both the both red eyes and the Wally ratings, and um, they are a formidable side, a formidable side, and I think there's no other way to look at it, other than this is the final before the final. Like you look at last year, Leinster put Toulouse away, and Toulouse, to be fair, were at the end of a long run. Like that monster side last year were a a decent side, but when you look at the quality that Toulouse have. They shouldn't really be beaten or, or, or bringing Toulouse that close, you know. Like Toulouse were after a like a massive Six Nations where a lot of their top guys were away for ages. Uh, they came back then into a fucking murderer's row of Montpellier, La Rochelle, all these other games in a row, like a, an away game against a home and away against Ulster. Um, and it's just so difficult week to week to week with all those guys there. And by the time Leinster got a hold of them, they had gone through. A massive game against against monster where it went to like finish of extra time, game decided on penalties. Um, by the time Lencer got a hold of them, Toulouse had nothing left, nothing. They were on the bones of their arse. They were they were wrecked. And looked it and played it. And the rest of the season they were the same. There was like almost like a that 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 Munster to lose game was a a c I won't say a feric a moment for both sides, but it kind of, you know, cause Munster lost that. So a Ferric defeat doesn't really exist. But Munster were fucked and gone after that game. To lose never really properly recovered either, because they were on a massive run uh, up to that point. Never really looked the same after. And I think that this game against Leinster is going to be Something to see. I'd go. To, I'd, I'd go to go see this game. Like I would go. To, I would go to the Viva to see this. This is the two best teams in Europe for me because I think La Rochelle, on their day, can beat absolutely anybody. Um, but I think that if you look at player for player, I think Toulouse have better players. I think Leinster have better players. Now, again, you would look at guys like Will Skelton, Gregory Aldridge. I think individually, La Rochelle have more game winners. You look at. Jonathan Dante you look at uh Hastoy I think is really good you look at Botia Aldrich like I said uh, Antonio Skelton like they have a great core to their team um but I think if you go for just the 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 availability and the and the dispersion of quality I think Leinster and Toulouse probably have a better I suppose bunch of players that that I kind of cover more depth and and more than just a spine um but yeah it's going to be some running to the end of the season like I look at I look at Toulouse going as well as they did uh, putting away the Sharks who I think we're right in there uh, weirdly enough I think Munster would have done better against Toulouse than the Sharks did even though we didn't have very much for the Sharks down in Durban but that's neither here nor there like I'll take it I've watched Toulouse a lot this year and I think that size and quality that they have is very very difficult to match over the full 80 minutes because you can do certain things to limit Their game. But what you can't limit is guys like Thomas Ramo or Antimac or Mathis Lebel or, like I said, Antoine Dupont. These guys who have this. If you've ever seen or, or, or watched players playing any sport at any level, you understand that there are some guys who are just better, right? Who are just. They're just very good. And it's not that the system makes it work. They're just unbelievably talented players and they can do things athletically and skillfully that you just, you you can't, there's nothing really you can do. You can try and take them out of the game. You can mark them out of the game. You can give them special physical attention or whatever else. But these greats, and they are greats, they will find a way to win the game. They will find a way to do something that, do you know what, you could be there scheming all year long for it and they will still do something that you just can't believe and it's that's it game's gone they beat you you did your best but they're just better they have those guys like I look at Leinster they have like Leinster are an ultimate system team they've got great individual players but when you look at uh Antoine Dupont when you look at guys like Antomac, uh Le- just unbelievably skilled players and that's all the way through the team um yeah, look, I, I think you look at Toulouse. Too much quality for the Sharks, ultimately. Um, but that game, that semi-final, is going to be some game. Like I said, I'd go along to that game. Would I wear a Leinster jersey? No. Would I? I don't know. Somebody. <laughs> I should I should do a raffle. Um, see if I would do it or not. Because I wouldn't do it anyway. Maybe I, I might wear a blue t-shirt, maybe. Not a blue not a in a jersey, no way. Anyway. But uh yeah, the other the other games were Stormers against Exeter, which I watched because uh, Munster are playing Stormers this week. Um yeah, look, I, I think looking at um the Stormers over the last couple of weeks, their away game against Leinster, um the the draw there, um, the last couple of games where they've shown everything that makes the Stormers really, really good and, and such a top team, like why way they won in, in the URC last year. Uh, but elements of their defensive work, their backfield management, their kicking game competence haven't looked great, and I think same reasons why they lost to Leinster or drew to Leinster or gave up a massive lead to Leinster uh, in the RDS were the same here. But we can't separate that to the fact that they've had an awful schedule; they've been up and down to South Africa over the last number of, of months. That takes something out of you. Look, like, there's not. That's just the reality of it. Um, but. I think looking at, at Exeter... They certainly did well... But the Stormers side that they played... The like Stormers played really poorly... Um, you know, they, they, they fired a few shots alright... But um, they just looked tired and wrecked... And um, this is the this is the issue with travel... Up and down... And especially with the balance of home games at the moment... Um, there's going to have to be a negotiation... As to where the South Africans will play their, their quarter finals... Or semi-finals going forward... Or finals even... Um, just because of, of the travel and how disruptive it is but that's a discussion for later I think a, c- a couple of years down the line maybe but um, Exeter put them away fairly you know drama free Um, they will play La Rochelle Um, I, I don't see them beating La Rochelle but at the same time I think we've seen already the season where La Rochelle they can be up and down like they, a very ordinary Gloucester side pushed them way too close uh, but then you look at La Rochelle here against Saracens where if they take that game fully seriously where they've got the the wind up them um, they'll batter almost any side like Saracens are not the team they were and they're were a sign that look any team can fall like any team can go from being the best in the world to being you know struggling and wondering geez, what, what's happened the same players are there like you look at Mario Atoje you look at the Vunapolas, you look at Owen Farrell all Jamie George all quality players but I know that the salary cap and the punishment hurt them with the guys that they lost but uh, time comes for every team and they didn't look like not even a close relation to to peak Saracens but um, you look at at La Rochelle the the physicality the power playing at home especially um, they're such a difficult team to beat there like they've had a few sticky games this year for sure but I think when they click and when they are Keyed up for the game; they're so difficult to beat. Um, Just quality all the way through. You know, you want to take them on up front. They have colossal, a colossal pack that have any have an answer to most of the things that you will throw them. Uh, They've got a really good midfield. Uh, They can hurt you in any number of ways. Good set piece, Um, good scrum as well. Um, But yeah, look, they're going to be a difficult side to, to to face. I think they'll get to the final. As to who they'll meet that's where the big drama is going to be um and look there's there's a few games to go like i think leinster are going to wrap that team now that were mainly involved in the six nations they're going to wrap those guys in cotton wool for this upcoming south african tour that they have um you know it's going to be difficult for munster you know you look at the we need teams almost not to do us a favor we can still do it ourselves but like is in the, the 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 travel now it's big. Leinster have bigger fish to uh, fish. They have bigger fish to fry, and I think that uh, they will select accordingly over the next couple of weeks to lo- to load up for that semi final because it's going to be hectic. That is going to be some game. Um, but yeah, look overall, it would look a good weekend of rugby um, with interesting talking points that came off the back of it. Um, so look, thank you very much for joining me on this five star podcast. I'll be back with a lot of content this week on kind of relative to the monster sharks game um but looking forward to the stormers at the weekend which is the biggest game of monster season now um and looking at the uh the i suppose the breakdown work and i've got an article coming on the 10 euro tier uh looking at what monster will be identifying of the team over the next couple of, of 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 months as they build into the new season if this is the foundation year the next year is the building year and that's where we're going to see where Munster are going to go on this three or four year long project that they're embarking on uh to change from where we were to where we want to go and um, that's on the 10 euro tier there'll be a TRK mailbag there'll be a gift room a lot of stuff coming this week after my little mini little break last week so thank you very much for joining me thank you very much for being a TRK subscriber i will talk to you again very very soon